The Echo Dispatch with Jason Lewis. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of The Echo Dispatch. I am Jason Lewis, chief reporter of the Bournemouth Daily Echo and podcast host. I was back out and about for this month's episode with a short trip to Southbourne, home of the Conquer Spirit Distillery. I sat down with company founder, or head conqueror, Rupert Holloway, as his business races towards its 8th anniversary. Rupert launched Dorset's first gin distillery after calling time on his career as a desk-bound quantity surveyor. From the outside, it looks like he has never looked back. Before we dive deeper into the international success of Conquer Spirit, I asked him to summarise the journey to date. But first, I posed an important question. What makes the perfect gin? Well, it has to be called Conquer and it has to be made in Southbourne. No, um, well, when I was setting out on like creating our Dorset dry recipe, it's hard to make a gin recipe balanced. For me, a good gin is you taste the gin and no one botanical stands out. Um, so that's what I was trying to go for. But yeah, I think these days, there's, you know, there's something for everyone really, isn't there? Every, every kind of taste. But yeah, for me, it's that, certainly for our products, it was that kind of twist on a classic kind of vibe. Um, so certainly for the Dorset Dry, it was, well, don't reinvent the wheel. You know, don't try and be too clever and reinvent gin. There's nothing wrong with gin. Um, just do it our way, if that makes sense. Yeah. We launched as Dorset's first gin distillery and gin was a real focus um, because of the when it launched back in 2015. You know, that was the real, the growth of that gin industry, gin market. Uh, but since, and actually our second product after the Dorset Dry was our cold brew coffee liqueur. So we immediately ventured into other spirits and the coffee liqueur we launched as the UK's first. So we spotted a real gap between, you know, how most most craft spirits at the time, everything from gin and tequila and everything, had like a craft premium alternative, whereas coffee liqueur just seemed to be occupied by these sort of coffee imitations, sickly sweet Im- imitations. Um, so that's a big part of what we do now. Conquer Coffee Liqueur is, as you can imagine, there's a lot of gins out there now, whereas Conquer Coffee Liqueur now, we're the UK leader and, um, in, and, and growing internationally. We still sell lots of our Dorset Dry, and our Dorset Dry is still our big supermarket gin and that's what we do a lot of volume in the coffee liqueur is where we see a lot of growth and opportunity which is really fun and how's that experience growing say with a, a gin that's as you say there's a lot of gins out there and you're trying to not reinvent mm. the world so being a pioneer uk wise with a coffee liqueur it's really nice actually because i spent the f- five years constantly talking about gin <laughs> <laughs> and going to like events and people would say so what makes your gin so special then you know literally i get that question hundred times every day so it's nice to be in a space where there's a bit more space there's a bit more it's very innovative it's it's much more challenging as a product as well gin is relatively easy to make it's well certainly now you know a few hours on youtube and you're probably an expert the hard bit about gin is like you say in this space that's very competitive is making room for yourself from a marketing and brand perspective so uh, yeah that's where our challenge is now is just making Staying, staying on top of the, the, the pile of gins that are out there, really. But yeah, the coffee liqueur gives us that. Um, I mean, that's what we lead all our sort of sales conversations internationally with, because as you can imagine, knocking on the bar's door and say, I've got a new gin, they're not that fussed. <laughs> and is there a story behind the name at all? The fact people... Uh, yeah, there, there is. Yeah, no conkers were harmed in the gin. Um, they're, actually, they're full of arsenic, so we get some clever clogs saying, you do realise Conkers are poisonous. <laughs> so, no, the, the name Conquer came really randomly when I was trying to leave my day job. 
So I used to be a surveyor and then I kept, made the decision to try and leave my day job and basically kept texting Emily, my wife, like random business ideas. And she would put them to bed, absolutely not. And then one day I sent her a message saying, morning darling, really casually saying, yeah, we're gonna set up Dorset's first gin distillery. See, see, see you tonight. And she texts back two words, acorn conquer within like a minute. Acorn and conquer. And I looked at my phone and thought, what, what is she talking about? And then I immediately saw the word conquer and text back, actually, what a great name. And all she, she, all, she had basically sent that by mistake. She was a, a school teacher uh, just here at Stalfield School in Southbourne and was doing a big display on trees. So it had been writing a list in her phone about trees and then just sent it by mistake. So completely random, like serendipity, whatever you might call it. But yeah, conquer just felt very nostalgic and sort of British. And I could call myself the head conqueror. I know, I love that. As yeah, head conqueror. Know, so that, meaning, yeah. that sealed it. But yeah, exactly. That's the double meaning. And internationally, people like even, you know, countries in different languages, that still carries yeah. that kind of like double entendre. Oh. So yeah, it's quite cool. And when you first out, what was it really made you do? Because it's quite a change to go from what you were doing to just going, I'm going to set up a business. Yeah, well, I, I think I'd, I've always wanted to do it. I think as a kid, I'd always admired my friend's dad's or, or parents who had businesses and we're doing their own thing and making a success of it i had a very i did the whole university i went to university like twice to get a master's ended up in construction so i'd always been sort of focused and thought i'd make my own way my own business in construction but just fell out of love with it and, and just i just had a desk job as a quantity surveyor basically and i just thought something's got to give i can't yeah retire or die doing this this can't be my legacy sort of thing quite dramatic yeah. i know but i was i had one of those moments where Okay, I'm, yeah, 28. If I don't make a change now, this is it. I'm literally on this road to retirement. Didn't have any kids, didn't have a mortgage. Had an incredibly, amazingly supportive girlfriend who turned into an incredibly supportive wife. And I just, as I said earlier on, just started hunting for an idea. And just what, I just knew that I, just, if I could just, it didn't have to be gin either. Like, it just needed to be something I could get stoked and yeah. pumped about. And then thankfully cottoned onto the gin idea and just thought, I think I can do that. I think I can develop a recipe. I was always interested in food and stuff. I think I can do that. I think I can build the distillery. You know, I can get my dad in and help plumbing the still in. And then I knew how, how we'd talk about it, how it, the, its voice. I, I could see how we would position ourselves, you know. Basically, I'm selling, I always think I'm just actually just marketing to it myself. Yeah. And I just, Conquer is just talking to myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's the sort of product I would buy into. And that's half the battle, I guess, for any business in, when you've got a product, is we're not having a good product, but you need to, to, to sell it to people, like get yeah. them to buy into it. And that can't be understated because actually we had, so the, we're eight years old in April. And you know the first three years, we you know we had no sales strategy, no sales team, no marketing strategy, nothing. Basically, we couldn't stop the sales coming through the door. You know that's the classic exponential growth of a startup that is taken advantage of like a niche and an opportunity. But then suddenly, it, like you know, three years in, it was like, oh, what, why, why aren't the sales just flood, flooding through the door? You know, so you, you learn very quickly that you even exceptional products like ours, which are objectively some of the best in the world like you know you can't comparative to any other product it, it's it's just as good if not better you know our, our stance on ethics and ingredients is incredible but if you're not communicating that properly then you might as the product might as well not exist and especially now with the the way the world is with how busy communications are online and stuff you've got to have such a sharp sharp um, idea and clarity on what you're doing 
um, and then deep pockets to be able to execute it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, tasty product, I'm afraid, is definitely not enough, which is, which is tough actually. And did you ever think when you first set out, did you have any goals? Did you think you could be what you are today? Or It's funny because when you're in it, you, um, you're so blinkered by the day to day and what you perhaps could be, where you perhaps think you should be, that you're, it's very hard to often step out and be like, actually we're doing really well and we're smashing it and it's great. I think if 28 year old Rupert met me now, it would be like, God, if only I could possibly do this. Yeah. So it's funny. The ambition for Conquer for me was replace my wage. If I'm, if I'm doing a job, I was on like 30 or thousand as a senior surveyor. If I can run a gin distillery that pays me 30 or thousand, job done. I don't have to have any employees. I don't have, it doesn't have to be a massive brand. But if I'm no longer uh, doing the job I hate and I'm stoked about what I'm doing, job done. So that, that's quite nice setting the bar that low in that sense. Yeah. Rather than going, I'm going to launch the world's best gin. Well, it feels achievable. That's, yeah, it feels achievable. And, you know, you're, you, you, the scope for disappointment is less, isn't it? Because it's very hard to build massive brands, but you can certainly build things like build a business that supports you in what you love. Yeah, absolutely. And do you remember the, the, when that first sale came for us all? Because I read that it took you, a little, you had to go for the again to get the set up and stuff like that. Do you remember that yeah. first sale and what that feeling was like? Yeah, so um, because it was alcohol we were selling and making, it took a whole year from stepping away from my day job in 2014 to selling the first bottle in 2015. So in that year, I just gave it away. Like we gave away thousands of bottles because I'd go to like food fairs with a stack of gin and our branding up, not even labels on the bottles, just literally empty like plain bottles with like net tags on. And just to get people signing up to our newsletter and they'd say, I have a bottle and I'll say, well, you can't. (laughs) So I just gave it away for a whole year. And then, so by the time April 15 turned around, we, we couldn't keep up with that demand. So, you know, we were basically, on a Thursday, I keep saying we, it was literally me. <laughs> very, royal royal, royal, very royal we. Um, it was me, um, I got it all the, by myself. You know, obviously, um, my wonderful wife was paying the bills for her teaching job. But essentially, I was distilling and labelling and bottling. And then on a Thursday, I would get in my car and just do a lap of Dorset whole day of driving just putting two bottles in this pub six bottles in this wine shop and just like spreading it out like a gin milkman <laughs> gin milkman gin man um, so um, yeah the first the first sales were like local bars um, uh, and uh, yeah it was incredible um, but I had to google what an invoice was before you know I did that because you know I didn't <laughs> I just didn't know yeah and, and how's that journey come to now? Because obviously you've got a team of people here and as you touched the internationally known business, that yeah. journey I'm sure it wasn't all plain sailing, but this must be a hell of a ride. It's plain sailing, it is not. Like, um, we, 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 we've done a great job, especially over the last couple of years. You know, all, all the rules went out the window and um, half the business disappeared overnight in April 20, is it? Yeah. It's track now. But when all the pubs shut, that was half our business. Um, so, br- br- like, brutal is probably the only word I can say to, like, what the last two years have been. But um, we have come out really focused, uh, knowing what our purpose is and what we're doing. Basically, over the last two years, we've done anything to make a buck so that we can keep the lights on and pay people. So we've been making hand sanitizer in quite a big way, lots of bespoke products for other people, anything we could do. Now we're like, right, what's what we're here for? So it's a, a real shake up on 
in focus around the coffee liqueur and, and growing internationally here. Yeah, we'll touch on the hand sanitizer stuff um, in a bit, but you touched already about the gin market centre being there. There's a lot of gins out mm. there, slightly different than the coffee liqueur, but it seems like it's sort of, it has exploded. And I don't know if you've been more in time frame of when gin went crazy and everyone yeah. wanted to get on the, the gin hype, really. But what's it like to be part of that? And what are the challenges that you touched on already? And, and how do you try and stand out? Well, certainly joining the gin industry in the first three, two, two, three, four years was fantastic because of the, the momentum. And I, and I, I, before I just landed on the idea of gin distillery, I read a lot of books by business entrepreneur type peeps. And I read this amazing fact that I thought was really like really struck with me. And it basically said like the best business ideas take advantage of gaps in the market and emerging markets. And when those two overlap, then that's the perfect business opportunity because not only is there scope and space for your product to exist, but the demand for that product is exponentially growing. So like I, I had that ringing around in my head before this whole gin thing happened. So that is basically this. Yeah, that sums up the gin opportunity back in 2015. But then suddenly there was no space, no gap. And um, and there's a little, I wouldn't say a slowing down, but it's probably just more to do with the saturation. And there's a slowing down. Part of the, you know, the demand is fueled by people like yourselves willing to cover it. So in the first, like, we couldn't, we were getting interviews and free magazine places. And in the first three years, everyone wanted to talk about and publish about gin. That's quietened down now, thankfully. So, um, so yeah, now it's about, for me, it's it's relying on the fact that we're still here. We're you know we've got this great big distillery, eight eight thousand square foot distillery. A lot of gins, unfortunately, have come and gone. So for us, we've got like now a bit of a, a reputation and an authority in the industry. So where we've had like buyers for pub groups, you know, these are hard people to get do business with. Supermarkets, they're finally going. Oh, are you still here? <laughs> and they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So we've done our internship of like being a small startup, you know, um, our Conqueror Q to, oh, actually these guys are being a bit pesty now and they're, they're still around. So yeah, I think it's really capitalizing on that authority we've built up and reputation because we, we really do stick to our guns on stuff around ethical production and genuine craft. So the industry's full of people saying they do one thing and do another. So whether that's a gin brand saying, who don't make their product at all, I mean, it's 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 it happens in every industry, no doubt. But we focus on that genuine craft. So that's like we go from foraging botanicals to distilling to bottling, and we've coined that genuine craft. And that's our that's one of our USPs because actually, in the, a lot of a lot of our competitors, are you know they kind of blurry lines when it comes down to like, so where, who makes this for you? And it's like, oh. <laughs> so so that's one of our things we try and yeah chat about most. And you've touched on ethics a couple of times on the ethical side of the business. Yeah. Just to explain the field that perhaps don't know how important that is and what you guys do in that, that field is definitely worth through that message. Yeah, so um, we've just literally, because we're eight years in, in April, we got our heads together and thought, right, what do we want to do in the next eight years? If we can achieve this in eight years, what can we do with all our team and reputation now to take us to 2030? So we've set some ambitious, ambitious targets around our products, um, but the kind of most significant one is our um, basically 2030 planet positive mission, which is basically to, over the next eight years, become a, a world leader in sustainable spirit production. So planet positive meaning not just 
you know, neutral impact will actually, what our efforts here will actually have a positive impact on um, the three elements of sustainability. So social, economic and environmental. That's a monumental task, but we've set a target. We've got eight years to do it and, you know, we'll just tick it off along the way. But that's, that's the agenda. That's the ambition and the, um, yeah, the want, the passion. And that's must must have a new like focus away from sort of potentially like money or mm. new products. That would focus on saying there's slightly different to what you've had today. It must be it's ain't new, it's ain't fresh for the business. It's it's a bit like once you get a business set up, you know, you might be focused on the money and the products, and then once you get a new job, you might be thinking, oh, this is great, I've got a new salary. But actually, that very quickly disappears. And actually, what gets you up in the morning is that purpose. And if if that's not there, making the money, the products. Uh, I suppose like the fame of having a successful brand actually doesn't count for much and goes disappears. Especially now, like you've got to have, if, if businesses don't have this underlying, well, I was going to say underlying, like we've put it to the like absolute forefront of our brand's mission. So it's not now like a sub note, oh, and we are really sustainable and we can't, we're planning to be carbon zero. Like our, the pitch for our coffee liqueur is ethical craft coffee for the cocktail. The first word when we talk about our coffee liqueur is ethical. How we source the coffee from like sort of um, people who are leading the way in sustainable coffee farming, right the way down to the fact that all of our coffee grounds are converted to coffee, like essentially like a biofuel. Oh. So they get turned into fired what they call like coffee logs by a company called um, Biobean. So we've got like, we're trying to get this completely closed loop, sustainable start and origin, sustainable solution at the end. It makes it, yeah, it becomes a bit of a lifeblood for the company, really, I'd say. The Echo Dispatch with Jason Lewis. Certainly exciting times ahead with a fresh focus on sustainability for Conquer Spirit. Rupert has already mentioned saturation in the market. Given the surge in popularity for gin over the past decade, I asked if the industry was at a point of oversaturation, or do market forces see businesses naturally come and go? I don't think it's ever saturated because there's different tiers of the business. So if you wanted to go and set up a small gin distillery in your, in your local village and supply the local pubs, there'll always be a space for that. And that might be what you want to do. I would say for someone who is launching a gin distillery now and wants to perhaps achieve what we've achieved during the good times, it, it now involves serious deep pockets because you're going to have to get through so many more barriers. Um, so it all depends. I wouldn't say it's saturated because, you know, depending on how you do it, someone, some people can come along and shake things up. But yeah, it's just a very different market to it was back in 2015. Hence, you know, at the beginning, we called ourselves Conquer Spirit, not Conquer Gin, despite everyone calling us Conquer yes. Gin. <laughs> We're actually Conquer Spirit because that basically is, I knew at the beginning. So I remember saying there will be a gin distillery on every street corner. So, you know, this might seem like a great opportunity with no competition now. It's going to be really, really, really busy. So calling ourselves Conquer Spirit, opening up for other spirits, launching a coffee liqueur. Yeah, you can't rest on your laurels for that kind of like um, space to play. And I think everyone loves seeing businesses always diversify. They say a bit quirky, a bit different, but especially doing it in the middle of a pandemic, it's quite mm. something. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this: the hand sanitizer. Was yeah. that just a, a light bulb moment, or was it scratch heads? And how did it come out? And it's been really popular. Really. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd never claim it was sort of our idea. Like there was, um, you know, globally across the spirits industry, it, it started happening w within the first few weeks of the pandemic. 
we have a waste part of our distillation process. We have this spirit high high um, ABV heads to our spirits, which makes sort of you know eighty percent alcohol or so, which is perfect for hand sanitizer. So and it also full of flavour, it's full of botanicals. So we did this small batch of like a hundred bottles or so. This is while hospitality was still open and we just gave our bottles because they were struggling to trade. They needed to have hand sanitizer, but at the time there was none. So we, we gave all this out, um, which was no brainer. Got phone calls from the local radio stations, got phone calls from the local police and care homes, the local like post office, parcel force, all saying, can we have some? We need, like literally, I got a call from Dorset Police uh, saying we, we desperately need hand sanitizer, can you provide it? So basically went from doing just using our little bit of waste to actually using our alcohol reserves and converted them entirely to hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer basically is alcohol with some other chemicals added. It's super simple. But yeah, we ended up doing the best part of 80,000 litres of hand sanitizer over wow. like four months. That's crazy. <laughs> but it was really important to us that we sold it for the same price that it was available pre-pandemic. So you could go online and find, so we were selling these five litre jerry cans. We were selling them for like 17, 18 pounds. It moved a bit because alcohol got so expensive, yep. like alcohol disappeared. But generally we were the same price as what you could buy a five litre jerry can of hand sanitizer in February, 2020. Go online and you would have found it for 50, 60 yeah. quid off other people. Very crazy. I just couldn't, couldn't be a part of that, to be honest. So yeah, we stuck to our guns and ended up sending off in big tanks as well. So we weren't, we, we were bottling it here, but also sending off thousand litres tanks for other brands to put in their own brand. Yeah. Hence we um, did quite a bit of volume. I'd say if it wasn't for that, we would have closed our doors for a few months, I reckon. Wow. Yeah, it was because um, it was a real lifesaver, really. Yeah. And what was it like running business like Conquer in the area, I believe, you're sort of from the local area and, and sort of doing relationships with other businesses and sort yeah. of and stuff like that? Yeah, it's great. It's actually something we've vowed to do a bit more of. Like, you can become a bit insular and, you know, get on with your own work, but we've vowed to be a bit more involved with our local community because that's how it all started. But yeah, I live, I live five, well, I said five, like a minute's walk from the distillery. We uh, work with, we work with, you know, our products are sold throughout the county and, and very much so like through Southbourne and Dorset. And so, yeah, it's a huge matter of pride. Um, yeah, we, when I when I first started Concord, I remember coining this like phrase of like the community spirit. So like really getting involved with local events. You know, we've always uh, sponsored events, given away bottles. For, we get a lot of contact about like, can I have a bottle for my charity? And we've always tried to do that as much as we can. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. There's a real there's a real entrepreneurial spirit, certainly in Southbourne, I'd say. Yeah, um, definitely. Around that kind of um, everyone's just pumped to to, to um, support everyone else. Yeah, real community spirit. Yeah, yeah. probably right up there. Don't want to upset any other readers or listeners from the rest of Patrick Owen, but I think Southbourne <laughs> gets a lot of attention, a lot of praise, rightly so. A couple of philosophical ones, which we always end up ending on the podcast, and I've got to word this correctly to help confuse you. What advice would Rupert of today? Give Rupert, who is launching Conquer, so much. <laughs> I feel like a completely different person. Well, I'm tempted to say, like, oh, by the way, it's going to be a lot harder than you think. But I think if you knew that, you perhaps wouldn't make the leap. Like, maybe that's ignorance is bliss. Yeah. <laughs> In the early stages, I would have liked to have woken up quickly to the. It's not just going to come. The sales are not always just come flooding in, and you've got to actually build a strategy in the team around sales and marketing because that was a, a tough lesson you know resting on your laurels around you know having that product which just sells itself 
and I'm, I'm a big fan of like you know like quotes of people and stuff. I heard one recently which was really really good, and it was really it's really sim simple, and it was just um, to get something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done, which I think is like really great because so when you're running a business if you think oh why haven't we got this or you know it's because you're not doing something that's important or, or potentially really hard and challenging so i've started this year with just like right yeah why why aren't you there why don't we have that that's because we don't do this and it's going to be a mission but we've got to do it yeah. so yeah i think that's quite a nice one so reframing it's like that phrase of if you do the same thing over and over again yeah yeah it's a bit crazy yeah so it's yeah, that, that, it. that thing if you do the same thing and get the same result. They say it's insanity. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And just tacked on that question, you've mentioned slightly, like, would that advice be different, because the industry's changed, so would that advice have been different to if you could time travel back to see Rupert in 2014, yeah. 15, to if Rupert came to you now and you wanted to start the business? Right, yeah, so um, if if I was going back to Rupert now and I'm giving them some good insights into not some, not forming some traps, uh, take advantage of certain things which, um, Perhaps we took too long to get on top of like export, for example. We were just so busy with the UK that we only started looking at export in, in real detail in the last two or three years. Had I done my time again, I would have kicked it off straight away, got someone on board, like an export consultant in the early days. That would probably be one like business bit of advice. Yeah, and then uh, if he was coming to me now saying, I want to start doing this yeah. delivery, I would say don't. <laughs> I would say don't even, don't even try it. I'm quite... Frankly, yeah, because because I started Conquer with nothing, like I I didn't have I, I basically I sold my car I got six grand for my car and I got two I got a ten thousand pound startup loan and a ten thousand pound government grant, so I spent a lot of my first few months of working on the business on trying to source that money, and that's what I launched the business on. There's no way you could do that now. Well, you could you could launch a small distillery to supply local pubs, but you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't pay for the visibility you'd need now to really make traction in the gin industry as businesses as a whole outside of gin. So people coming to me now and saying I want to do this business, you know, there's never been an easier time to to run your own thing because you've got on your on your phone you've got the ability to access all the information you need you know learn from your sofa and you can also access the, literally everyone in the world and get your product into people's hands so yeah there's the opportunity for people to do what they love run their own business be a consultant go independent whatever it might be it's never been so easy which is really exciting yeah and just looking back at the, the eight years coming up to so far do you have any sort of regrets that you look back on or are they all sort of mistakes that you just have to learn from as a as a businessman there are so many mistakes along the way and regrets and money wasted and it's just relentless and no business avoids them no business avoids them no business avoids oh, i've just i spent 10 grand on those boxes but now we can't use them because x are oh, you know no business avoids oh, i've done that event and it was an absolute flop and i and i spent 15 grand trying to set up that bar and it rained a weekend this it just doesn't happen They're unavoidable so you've just got to it's a really again it's a little bit of a quote a little bit of a kind of thing i read and it was re really resonated with me and it's like basically you've got to let go of your sunk costs so you've got to let go of your investments of the past your investments of the past can't guide your decisions for the future uh, because if an old strategy isn't working out it's totally irrational to use it going forward so if you wake up one day and the world's changed because because there's a national pandemic if you apply the same rules of business you're doomed 
So you've got to be able to yeah, let go of those sunk costs and that's sunk costs financially. And it's also sunk costs of time and effort. I'd spent seven years getting to where I was as a senior surveyor. I went back to university, did in, in, in work, I got qualified, got my letters after my name and all that kind of stuff. And I let go of all of that sun cot, binned it off because I thought, do you know what, this is not working. So I think that quality is what you need in business. And yeah, it's not mistakes. It's actually just the mistake is perhaps not letting go of the mistakes. Yeah, that, makes <laughs> that makes sense. And, and this is a bit where I try and get a bit of a scoop or an exclusive if we got on. But look, for, we always touched on the, the 2030 target for the future of the business. Yeah. What, what else is potentially in the pipeline in the future of that's new products, new ideas? What, what's, what's in the offer for Conquer Spirit? Yeah, so we've got a lot going on in the next six weeks. It sounds like a stage question, so I really can answer for you. Um, no, we've got a bit of a shake-up going on. We've coined it our shake-up. We've got a new website going live, which isn't just, you know, it looks prettier. It's, it's, you'll see it's a completely different structure to the business and how we talk about our products. Part of that is in April as well, we're going to be there's, we're having a shake-up for our coffee liqueur brand. So it's going to have a new look and a new pitch. and new, It's going to be much more focused, give it a bit of a pedestal in our range. And we're going to open the doors to the distillery and have a bit of a party for that rebrand and re- repositioning. So, yeah, it's on our social media. If you're following us, you'll see us talk about it. Head to our website, sign up to our Ponca Coffee Club, uh, where we can you get invites to these events and see firsthand the shake-up we're doing. Um, so, yeah, it just goes back to that coming out of COVID, coming out on our knees, a bit bloody-nosed, but actually, right, what are we doing? Let's go. Sounds really exciting. Well, I really appreciate your time, especially with all that going on the screen. Yeah, and uh, right. I'm sure the listeners will really enjoy it. Cool. Pleasure. That concludes episode nine of the Echo Dispatch. I have to say it was amazing to speak to another thriving business based in our area, which has grown from a startup to a real industry leader. I hope you found it an interesting listen. As a reminder, this podcast is available on a number of major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts. Please let me know your thoughts on the series and anyone you would like to be interviewed by emailing me on jason.lewis at bournemouthecho.co.uk. Thanks for listening and bye for now. The Echo Dispatch with Jason Lewis.